All right, Frisco First EQ. Um, this is episode two of the Pool Table Podcast. I'm Todd Swallow, right now working as the Elders Quorum President, and today we're going to have Joe Kewish be the the victim of the 30-minute session or so. Um, so Joe's relatively new to the ward, and, and I think it'll be a good one for people to get to know him and, and hopefully feel comfortable in approaching him and saying hi and and introducing yourself when you when you see him. Um, so, like I mentioned on the first episode, the the goal of this is really to provide an opportunity for the brethren of the ward, the investigators that are maybe wanting to check out what the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints is all about. Any inactive brethren who maybe feel the feel the pullings to to want to come back, but uh, but want to get to know folks. That this will be a tool that we can use that will uh, help to create that unity of feeling and, and love that, uh, that we want to have with our, our brethren and, and uh, give us the strength that we need so that we can get through the day, get through our challenges, and, and rely on one another to do it. So, uh, so first, Joe, to start off, um, you know, just the typicals, right? So tell us just a, a quick background of your current family situation um, wife, kids, that sort of thing. Yeah. So glad to be here, uh, on the pool table podcast. I love the name. Um, yeah. So we just moved here in September, August and September, uh, married to my wife, Liz. We've been married since 1998. So coming up on 24 years, we have four kids. My oldest is, uh, 19. He's on a mission right now in the Netherlands. We have an 18 year old who's a senior here with us and Plano, a 15-year-old who's a sophomore, daughter, Tori, and then a 9-year-old daughter named Lola who's a third grader. So the, the six of us, that's our, that's our core family. And like I said, we've only been here a little bit. But um, one thing about our family is that we've moved around quite a bit. So I don't remember exactly. I think we were counting the other day different places we've lived. And in 24 years, it's like 15 or 16 places. So, wow. Yeah, it's been pretty nuts. But um, yeah, that's us. And... Uh, you know, I'm I'm from California, Southern California. My wife's from Northern California. I grew up in Anaheim. Um, I moved there when I was five. So before that, I don't really remember, but my family lived three or four places when I was little, baby. Awesome. And uh, but I don't really remember much about those. But I grew up in Anaheim from five years old till I left on my mission. Um, I served a mission in Spain at the time. It was the Sevilla mission. I got called to. Uh, the mission name changed while I was there to the Malaga mission, mm. and now it's okay. been absorbed in the Madrid and Barcelona missions, but it's essentially the south of Spain. Okay. So that's why I served, and uh, while I was serving, my parents moved to the Bay Area and lived there for another 12 or 13 years, so I kind of identify with both north and northern and southern California. Nice. Um, and yeah, I got to know Liz because our parents actually lived next to each other in the Bay Area, even though we never really lived there at the same time. But had seen each other maybe, you know, summers or holidays and then started running into each other up in Utah. And we were always kind of like, oh, hey, our parents are neighbors and kind of became friends that way and started awesome. dating and later awesome. got married. So, um, yeah. And then um, after we got married, we, we moved around quite a bit. And, uh, you know, year here, year there uh, in California, Arizona. And then I went to grad school back east. So we lived for a couple of years in uh, Philadelphia and a couple years in Washington D.C. I uh, did a master's in international economics and, a, and an MBA and then since then I've 
been a couple different things. I have a kind of broad business background, basically your typical MBA ex-consultant, but yeah, cool. done a lot of different things. So. Well, we'll get, we'll dive into that a yeah. little bit. So first, so growing up in Anaheim, yeah, I went, uh, so I've got family that live in Anaheim and before when I was in uh, one of my previous work lives, I, I would travel there and, and one of my favorite places to run was around the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Just a nice little track there. It's a great place. Just, you ever go to the Rose Bowl when yeah. you're growing up? Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, you know, I, I one thing I think about when I think about my childhood is a lot of the really cool uh, kind of church and spiritual ex- uh, experiences I had. And one of the biggest ones actually was the Rose Bowl. Really? I don't know how old I was. I must have been maybe just eight or nine. But uh, at the time, the church president was President Kimball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the churches do these giant meetings. And there was this meeting for basically all of Southern California. And it was such a huge meeting that it was in the Rose Bowl, and we filled it. Mm. And the Rose Bowl is one of the biggest stadiums in the wow, right, in the country. Right. I don't know exactly how many, but it must have been eighty thousand or more. And uh, and he spoke to us in the Rose Bowl, and and I don't remember a lot because I was little, but I just remember the whole experience of the day, driving out there. You know, Pasadena's a ways from Anaheim, maybe forty five minutes, and we all parked out on that lawn parking lot that's you know they used to have and. Everybody was having lunch, you know, it was like a whole day thing. And then we all filed into the stadium and filled that stadium. And, and he spoke to us. And if you remember President Kimball, he had that real gravelly voice later in his life. And mm. I just remember vividly, like, being so impressed by this huge group of saints. You know, when you grow up in California, you're still a pretty small minority as a member of the LDS Church. And maybe there are five or six kids in my school of 2000. Yeah. But there's so many people, and the church is strong enough that when you get together with with members of the church, it's often a pretty big group. So mm. it was really cool. So that was that is awesome. That was a great uh, um, experience there in Pasadena, the Rose Bowl. But we went all over California all the time. I was lucky to grow up there. Spent a lot of time at the beach surfing and playing volleyball yeah, in Orange County, and then we'd go to L.A. all the time for fun and go down to Mexico, Tijuana, and. You know, uh, just a great place to grow up. Yeah, awesome. a lot, di- lot different now. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's definitely a little different now. Yeah. So that's that's funny that I was thinking Anaheim and Rose Bowl, but it's the Anaheim Angels, right? So oh, were yeah. You, were you a baseball fan growing yeah. up? Yeah. So the Angels played at what we call the Big A, and uh, it's a stadium right there on the freeway, the Fifty Seven Freeway. The uh, Rams played there too when I was a kid, hmm. before they moved away to St. Louis, but. Um, yeah, that was cool because from my house, we could ride our bikes down the riverbed. There's a trail, like a running trail. And we, we'd ditch our bikes in the bushes, and we'd go, and we'd buy view-level seats at Anaheim Stadium. And they'd be like three bucks. Mm-hmm. And then the Angels always broke our hearts. We'd be in first place, you know, in the summer, but we'd always miss the playoffs by mm. the end of the year. So by the end of the year, late summer, we'd usually be able to move way down. So we'd buy these cheap tickets, and then... <laughs> <laughs> we'd go sit in some pretty good seats and uh, see all the different guys come through. But um, And, you know, Disneyland's just down the road, and we went there a lot. And, yeah, yeah it's just a, it's a crazy place. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and another place, another actually right next to the stadium, down the road from the stadium, across from Disneyland, is this thing called the Anaheim Convention Center. People know it because it's got a weird shape, and they have a lot of, like, monster truck rallies. And that was another prophet that came and visit, visited us. I was in seminary. So I was probably 15 or 16, and uh, we, we set a goal to read the Book of Mormon, and then everyone who read it could go attend this fireside with President Benson, who was the president after President Kimball. 
And uh, I don't think they would have really like not let anyone go if they didn't read it. But mm-hmm. um, so we filled that thing with just youth. Oh wow! Um, the whole I mean I don't know how big the Anaheim Convention Center is. Maybe it's twenty five thousand. But uh, it was cool because we got to see that too. And just down the road from our house. So yeah, it was really really fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you feel like growing up that that it was relatively easy for you to live the gospel, or was it a was it a challenge and yeah. yeah, I mean, you were you were in high school with not too many other members. Yeah, was so it? so it was funny because, like I said, you know, um, day in and day out, you know, my my friends, not a lot of them were members of the church. I had a lot of friends who were members of the church, but you know, they maybe went to a different school or lived a little further away in our stake. You know, our stake was not too big, but um, so I'd hang out with those guys a lot. That was kind of the beach crew was all the LDS guys that I knew who played volleyball, but. Day to day at school, I didn't have LDS friends. I, I just got really lucky. I think you know, I I got a group of friends that were, you know, they were <laughs> they were pretty crazy a lot of the time, and you know, definitely did some things that weren't uh, weren't uh, uh, within our, um, within our kind of norms and and rules. But uh, and they thought it was hilarious that they had a a friend who was a member of the church. They'd just make fun of me all the time. But it was always like. You know, it was never mean. It was always kind of in good in good faith and good spirits. But um, they would really respect. I, I just got lucky. You know, I, before I knew what I was doing, I think my buddies were happy enough that they had this kind of, you know, different friend that they they talked about the church as much as I did. You know, mm-hmm. again, half the time they were maybe ribbing me about it, but, uh, you know, not, not mean-spirited. And then, I don't know, maybe if I would have tried to do some stuff that was bad, they might have even stopped me, you know, mm-hmm. they... Uh, they were happy because they had an all-time, you know, uh, designated, designated driver, driver. Yeah. and all that stuff. Right. And um, they they would later later when we were older, they would kind of half kidding, but kind of half not kidding, come to me and say, "Okay, you're the moral authority. What would you do?" You know, and mm, and awesome. uh, you know, I didn't deserve that, but um, we were all just friends. But it was really cool. So you know, I, I like I said, I got I got lucky in an environment where I knew where there are lots of members of the church and knew them, but day in and day out at school, I was I was friends with you know kind of non-members of the church, but I just never really felt that um, turmoil that a lot of people go through. So mm-hmm. I just when I look back on it, it's definitely not something I think I consciously created for myself, but mm. I was just really lucky. I'm always very thankful that I didn't you know struggle a lot with some stuff that you know I've seen others struggle with, and yeah. it was just kind of a lucky. You know, sometimes we get lucky with the situation we're in, and so it was cool. But it was, it was, you know, it's always hard. I mean, you, yeah. you know, you. Luckily, in California, things are pretty diverse. So even when I was growing up there, you know, you got every single nationality, every single religion, all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah, I think people are generally pretty tolerant. You know, <laughs> now after living outside of Utah for a little bit, there's an advantage to yeah. people being more diverse, right? Because yeah. it, it almost makes it easier to have yeah. gospel conversations right. because you're not. You're you're not really putting anybody on the spot. Right. right? It's just a normal everyday thing. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah. <clears throat> one of the so one of the questions I guess would be so you you felt like you were lucky and you avoided you know some of the challenges that you know others fall victim to during those those teenage years. But you made it into the mission field. Did you always want to serve a mission, or was that something that you know you struggled with? Yeah, no, I was always excited to go. Um, I don't know if I really thought about it that much. I just had always had a positive. I was really excited to go. You know, back then you had to be 19, so 
you just, you know, the, the, the pattern was you go to school for a year and then go. And so, um, I went to BYU undergrad. So I was there with a bunch of other guys who were all preparing to go, you know? And so, um, but when I was younger, you know, growing up and even as a teenager, I was always, I was always looking forward to going. Um, I remember my patriarchal blessing talked about my mission. And so I got that maybe when I was 15 or so. And so that was another thing that really kind of pointed me that way. I just figured, yeah, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, honestly, I think, again, I was, I'm, I'm thankful that I was lucky to just, you know, not really have to struggle with it and just look forward to it. And then it helps when you're around a bunch of other people who are all doing the same thing. But yeah. that doesn't make it easy, you know, when you get out there, um, it gets pretty real. And, right. uh, you know, even before that, you know, I was, when I was in school, you know, I was trying to think really hard about career and what to do and it can feel kind of, um, you know, stressful to say, well, I'm going to put this on pause for two years. And mm. and then also, even though I had grown up, you know, pretty aware, aware of what it meant to be a member of the church, when you decide to go out and, you know, preach about it, um, you really have to know what you feel and what you think and what you believe. And, and so I think that helped me my freshman year and in school to really consider more about, you know, what, why I was doing this. And, frankly, like preparing for and going on my mission as much as the time on my mission, maybe even more than the time on my mission was a huge part of how my testimony was built because I got to think through what that means and then say, yes, I want to commit to doing this, you know? And, uh, and of course, then when you're out, there's lots of experiences that, that help, but, um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun thing for me to be able to just always be willing to go and ready to go and, I was the first from my family to go, so awesome. my older siblings are all sisters, so um, one actually went while I was out, So, but nobody had gone before me, so. Sweet. Yeah, it was cool. Still keep up with your Spanish? Yeah, I do. Luckily, it's a, it's a pretty easy language to keep up with, probably the only one that's really easy to keep up with, but I studied it formally when I came back at BYU, and then you know, I've lived in California a lot, used so, it a lot. Yeah, so, so you did, uh, so you majored in business at BYU and then yeah. under, like a minor in Spanish Yeah, I did a double major because when you come back at BYU, you can get a bunch of credits and it was only like yeah. 12 more credits to get the full major. So I did a double major, but yeah. my main, my, my primary major was international <clears throat> business, yeah. So how old were you when you guys got married? So we were old for all of our friends and family that were all LDS. We felt young, but let's see, it was 1998, so we were 26. Okay. Yeah, both my wife and I were 26. And who made the first move? Um, I, you know, I one Christmas I was sitting in front of them at in back in California where our parents lived and her mom was being real friendly to me and Liz was sitting next to her mom and uh she was asking me how things were going in Provo. I said, "Oh, they're going fine." And she said, "Oh, Liz just moved to Provo." So I turned to Liz and I said, "Oh, well, we should hang out." And she kind of gave me the "Yeah, sure." <laughs> like, uh, it didn't seem very promising, but uh but then, you know, like I said, we ran into each other more and more. And then uh, one, one summer, she moved in around this corner from me. So then we saw each other a lot more. And we both kind of liked each other. We were both kind of not super forward people. So we just kind of organically started hanging out. And, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good. So who made the first move on the, the, the first kiss? Yeah, that was me for sure. Yeah. But that's because she's very, like traditional and timid so okay yeah funny story i i the first time i kissed her my little brother was in the room asleep and so the stakes were high and i think she was a little nervous about that you know it was innocent but uh yeah it was kind of funny awesome Uh, yeah so you guys got married yeah and then she said all right i'm along for the ride you you had aspirations for education and yeah and uh 
you know, did you always know what you wanted to do or was that just you were figuring out as you go? Uh, I always had a goal to go to business school. So um, the whole, you know, the path could have taken a few different directions, but, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do um, right away, but I knew I just wanted to get, a, the, the job I was looking for out of undergrad was a job to get me into a good grad, grad program. So that's how I ended up in consulting. And, but that was not meant to be a career, just to get to an MBA and then you know, by the time I got to an MBA, I wanted to do something kind of different, but um, I didn't want to not get an MBA, so that's why I did that joint program. And, mm-hmm. and I had always wanted to do things more around international business and uh, kind of the global global community more than just hardcore. You know, a lot a lot of friends in business school went to Wall Street or went to you know uh, other other traditional kind of finance finance jobs, and mm-hmm. I wasn't really that interested in those. So, I actually took took a job in real estate when I left business school, and I was a real estate developer for. Almost four years. Is that right? Yeah, building. Uh, I was based in San Antonio, and okay. uh, but we worked nationwide, and we focused on student housing, so nice apartments next to big schools, basically. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and it was really fun, really cool. But um, yeah, then then the real estate market, you know, crashed that was in 2008. 2000, yeah, yeah 2000. wiped wiped that out. I was and, uh, I was a full time investor back then. <laughs> yeah. Flipped houses for about six yeah, years. But, yeah, 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 that's great. But, yeah, that was a rough time. So I uh, I actually restarted a different career and became kind of a small business kind of specialist turnaround guy. I was the COO of a couple of companies in a row that needed help and they needed, you know, discipline or whatever. We shut one company down. We split one company in two. Another one was a startup, um, a, a tech startup and did that for about three years and then uh, decided I needed a job in a real company. Like I'd never worked in a corporation. So and I'd always been interested in tech, and my family was based in the Bay Area, so I got a job in Silicon Valley and yeah. worked for PayPal there, and ended up doing that a long time, seven years. Long, okay. long for me. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned the PayPal thing and the two Cokes versus the one Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, they like to uh, spoil their employees yeah. because tech companies have learned that if you spoil your employees, they don't leave. Yeah. They work long hours. So. Yeah. What, so what, what did you do for PayPal? So I ran a, a bunch of different analytics teams supporting basically all the parts of the business except for risk analytics. And so I had people across the country. I had them in three markets here in New York and Phoenix in the Bay Area. And then I had teams in Singapore, Berlin, London, and Paris. So um, yeah, we were, we were supporting global product and then global markets and just all kinds of different data analytics and data science. And is, is that when you started really traveling and being well, a world, no, world traveler? I, and... Yeah, I'd always traveled from being young. I always had this crazy, like, wanderlust. But um, when I really got addicted was a couple of years after my mission. Where I was at BYU with a buddy one day on cold, snowy Utah winter day. And we we're like, this is terrible. we got to get out of here. We didn't want to leave school. But, you know, we were both California guys and couldn't stand the the cold and the, the, the non-travel. So we baked up this plan to, we were going to, we were going to buy a car, an old car, and then take off a semester at BYU. So four months. And we're going to just drive South from San Diego where my buddy lived. And we're just going to take four months to go to every country in Central and South America. And they're just going to ditch the car at, you know, the end of South America. (laughs) And then we're going to fly home. And we, we came up with this plan and our parents actually bought it and they let it, they let us, they said, yes, we could do it, which we didn't believe. And then once they said, yes, we started scheming more and we switched it to backpacking through Europe. So we just bought a rail pass and a ticket to London from LA and we went for four months. And then it was funny cause this was just barely pre-internet. 
So there's not a lot of easy ways to communicate. And after the first few weeks together, uh, we had ideas and we wanted to see different things. So we said, okay, you go here, I'll go there. We'll meet in two weeks. We'll, <laughs> we'll meet in Paris. We'll meet under the Eiffel Tower in Paris in two weeks. And uh, I went to meet him and there was a strike and the border was closed and I couldn't get to Paris and he was stuck in Portugal. And uh, we just could never hook up. And so because there was no way to find each other, I ended up traveling the whole time by myself. And so oh, did wow. he. We didn't find each other until our return flight in London, uh, you know, right before Christmas. We took from August to December in Europe. So for, yeah, three and a half months, I traveled all through Europe and Eastern Europe and Turkey just by myself. So crazy. I got on a few international trips before that, you know, London and whatever. But um, that's when I really caught it. So back to where, you know, I just got married with Liz. One thing we did, she had never traveled ever because she kind of just woke up, uh, grew up working and trying mm-hmm. to, you know, support herself. Mm-hmm is I took her everywhere I could. So we traveled a ton before we had kids. And then even when we had kids, we've just always kept doing it. And, um, and so once I got that job at PayPal, it was kind of, I was, I was a pro. And I just really, it was what I liked the most about that job was because every time I'd go, I'd probably have, I'd usually have to go for a little more than a week because you just couldn't get it done in five days to go to those three cities in Europe. And so I'd always have a weekend, and so every weekend I'd just go somewhere. Yeah. And so I've been a, a million crazy places. Just it's awesome. So yeah, so we've always traveled, and we then we still travel later. Once we started having kids, we thought, you know, look, it's important to keep doing it. So we put some, put some ideas in place for us to always travel, and then, of course, recently we lived in the Middle East and thought that would be a ton of travel. It was mostly COVID, mm. but, but that was fun to live in a different place, and so yeah, we've always been big on travel. Yeah, so you guys, you guys ventured like a real venture and yeah. picked up the family and moved to the Middle East. Yeah, after seven years at PayPal, I was wanting to do something else, and everyone's like, "You're crazy! Don't leave Silicon Valley. It's a lot of money and a lot of you know opportunity." And that that's right, but I just felt like we wanted to do it, and uh, you know, you only live life once, and wanted our kids to have a different experience, and I always wanted to work overseas and. I had a friend over in Qatar, and and he he had you know opportunities there, that was that were really interesting, and we just we did it more for the family and the experience than the career move. It was probably not the greatest career move, but um, it was worth it. So we went for it, and we went there in December twenty nineteen, and um, ended up being there almost two years. Most of the time we were locked down, but even with the lockdowns, we you know we were able to travel. We went to. Greece and Maldives and Seychelles and all these crazy places but mm. but mostly the experience was just being there you know it was living amongst a totally different people the ward and the stake were fascinating all kinds of people in our ward there's just one ward for the whole country uh English speaking ward and we had you know American families we had British expats we had Russians and Ukrainians we had lots of African brothers who were working sending money back home we had just a really cool um, combination and a wide range of experience. And so it was pretty wild. And then That's the steak, awesome. steak was really cool because it was three different countries. So it was Oman, UAE, and <clears throat> Qatar was our steak. And so wow. our steak center was in a different country. And <laughs> you had to fly to get there because you couldn't, you know, when we were there, we couldn't go through Saudi Arabia because there was a blockade. It was wild. But definitely the adventure we signed up for. So it's amazing. It was cool. So looking back... I mean, it's you wouldn't be moving in a straight line, right? Your your life is yeah kind of curvy all over the place. Yeah. But how do you find looking back that you maybe didn't know 
the reasons for the decisions at the time, but felt like they were directed yeah. and looking back that you feel like you can see the Lord's hand in your life. Yeah, so there's kind of two sides of that coin for us. There's for sure what you're describing, which is, you know, uh, uh, an op- we, we, you know for example, um, I took a job in Indiana. Um, it was a great opportunity for real estate. I, I could have made a lot of money. could have been a great career move. We moved the family there. We left a place we loved. We loved San Antonio. We went to Indiana. And, uh, and we, we loved it in Indiana, but nine months in, the, the market crashed and I lost my job. Mm. And, and then we had to scramble because, you know, we had just bought a house and I was afraid we were going to, you know, lose the house or go bankrupt or something if we didn't sell it. We luckily sold it and had to take a little bit of a loss on it. That was hard. We didn't have a lot of money at the time. We, we kind of retreated back to Utah. My parents had an empty house there because they were on a mission and so we could live in their house while I looked for a new job. And... It was just a hard experience, and we sat there and we go, why did why did this happen? What did we do wrong? You know, we we felt confident about the decision, and you know, we were sad to leave Texas, and then this happened, and we we felt like it was just a hard thing, you know. Um, but I made relationships there in those nine months that I'm still enjoying today, and even career wise, the opportunities I have ahead of me right now are directly from my closest friend that I made there in Indiana in just wow. those nine months. Awesome. And, and, and his, his father actually was the one who got me into some really great jobs when we were in Utah for a while. So, you know, who, who knows? I mean, I can look back many times in my life where I think, oh, yeah, if we try to figure this out on our own <coughs> about why this happened or why that happened, um, you may come away from it confused, but... You know, we have to understand, and I've seen it, where the Lord, you know, really does understand what's going on. And, you know, it's not like everything always works out. I'm not trying to say that, but he's aware of us. And, and uh, there's always, you know, benefit that we don't see at the time down the road, even if it's just learning. But the other side of that coin that I was going to say is one thing I think I've been lucky to do uh, is I've reflected a lot on my parents. And my parents, I didn't know growing up, but they both had pretty rough lives and kind of individually had decided to join the church as they were teenagers. They didn't live in the same place, but um, they had a similar story from each other, <clears throat> which is why they got they bonded, I think. But I just, I really think of my dad. My dad had a really rough upbringing. He wasn't an active member of the church. And then when he was 16, he just fell in with a bunch of LDS kids that took him under their wing. And he ended up getting baptized when he was 16. And then he didn't really know what to do after school. So he went to BYU and you know, he, he ended up going to BYU and then, you know, after a year he didn't know what else to do. So he just went on a mission and like the church and the youth of the church just kept kind of leading him along. And when he was rudderless and had no family. Right. And so then what happened was I, I and I didn't know that when I was young. I just observed him when I was young. So then when I was older and I was able to put this together, I thought about how he was when we grew up. And I was just blown away because I thought, man, here's a guy who really struggled, had a hard time. And he's made a great life for himself and his family. But it was clear to me that all he cared about was his family and the church. Mm-hmm. And that's what he always, always prioritized. And, you know, my dad's a ex-Navy <clears throat> pilot. He's a Harvard MBA. He's, wow. he's done some amazing things, but he, he never became some super rich CEO or whatever. And when I look back, it's because his decisions were always about his family and about the church. And serving in the church especially... And, uh, and then taking care of his family. And even thinking back of his interactions with his parents or his father, when I was young, I didn't really know my grandpa. And I didn't think anything of it. But, you know, later in life, I found out some pretty rough stories where he could have easily not wanted to 
have a relationship with his dad. But growing up, he would always go visit his dad around Christmas, drop off a steak. I mean, we never saw a steak when I was a kid. I didn't even know what it was. If we go to the store and buy a steak, then I know we're driving to Grandpa's house to drop it off. Or we'd go fishing in Mexico, and we'd always stop, and he'd give the biggest fish to his dad. And I just, as I was a you know young married person and learning all this stuff, I decided then, like, that's what I'm going to prioritize. So... When you look at my life, it seems kind of circuitous, maybe some zigs and zags that don't make sense, but I've just never prioritized career as as much as I could have. I mean, I, I went to a high-powered MBA as well. All my Wharton buddies are, you know, CEOs and, you know, Wall Street guys now, and, and I just, I've always wanted to do what I think is best for my family and then, you know, what the Lord wants me to do. And I've always wanted to be able to serve whenever I can. Yeah. however I'm supposed to. And so, you know, even though there's zigs and zags in my life, I, I think a lot about that lesson I learned and, and how it's helped me, you know, try to just prioritize the right things. I think that's probably the best gift that a parent can give a child, right? Yeah. That's what I think I want to give all of my kids. Yeah. And looking at my life, I find that when I've gotten off track and those things haven't been my priority focus, the Lord in His mercy knocks me down a bit and yeah. says, all right, what are you doing? Where are you, where are you, where are you focused? Yeah. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep th- first things first. And yeah. And there's, there have been times when I've felt maybe, um, <clears throat> at a loss or confused or not sure what to do. And I can usually trace it back to like, uh, where are my priorities? You know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, not always. Right. And, and by the way, when you, when your priorities are right, it's not like you'll get every answer either. Right. Yeah. Or it's all going to yeah. work out. But, um, it's just, you know, that lesson of learning what to prioritize has been what's directed my life. I mean, going to Qatar was all of that, you know, it's like, how can I be of service and, uh, how can I benefit my family? And, you know, it was a hard thing to walk away from a high paying job. And, you know, now we really, there's not an entry back, right. but that's okay. Right. You know, it's time right. to do something else. Yeah. So. Another, another door will open. <laughs> right. So Aside from work and all the stuff that you're doing there, figuring things out for the next next phase, yeah. I mean, what what gets you excited? What are your hobbies? What are your yeah. passions? No, I, I'm, I'm all about family. I just love spending time with my family. And then hobbies for me are travel, like I said. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I love to cook. Um, I'm not a great cook, but I like cooking, especially with my kids. Yeah. Um, but then uh, I love animals, like... Especially wild animals. Mm. We have pets and stuff, but I've been obsessed with animals since I was little. I used to read every animal book I could, and even today, people would kind of think I'm weird because I can identify the exact species of any bird or snake or whatever and, and fish. And so, um, like we 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 have an owl box that we just built. It has a live camera in it. Hopefully, an owl will move in. I just I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. So awesome. Which fits well with with Liz, my wife, because she's a big outdoors person. She's more of the you know hiking rock climbing type and she likes animals too but so that's that's what gets me going so even just now i was on a business trip to indianapolis and i had a few hours and so i rolled over to the zoo and (laughs) there's nobody there it was like 30 degrees yeah Uh, but i just that's that's something that i'm like i'll never ever get sick of you know whether watching a documentary or watching animals or yeah i love photography too so i like to take pictures and yeah, those kinds of things. And, and you like uh, tacos? Love tacos. Love them. I love reviewing Ta- taco tacos. reviews. Yes, for those but you got to eat them. Those that don't follow Joe on Facebook, he's got a bunch of reviews that yes. he does on tacos. Detailed, Fun. detailed, very reviews. detailed. More detailed than you need. But, very detailed. But you get to eat tacos. <coughs> you got to review yeah. them, so that's good. Yeah. 
And of course, I love you know sports. I love being active. Love my my number one sports volleyball. It's hard yeah. to play because you need like, yeah, you know, a bunch of other people. Right. I love golf. I'm not great at it, but I love playing golf. And then, uh, you know, any any sport really. I I like I like all sports. Yeah, we need to get the volleyball going. Yeah, that'd be fun. We, I played growing up. Kara played. Oh, um, be cool. Scott Murphy, who's in the presidency, yeah. he played for UVU. He's, That's great. You wouldn't know it looking at him, but I think he is a phenomenal <laughs> athlete. Just kidding, Scott. This is a test to see if you're listening to this. Yeah. But, but that's, uh, yeah, volleyball. ton of fun. I think we would get a following if we had somebody we should do it. put up a net and say, let's do it. Be great. So when you, um, when you moved to Texas, yeah. that was kind of out of the blue, right? There wasn't a job here. No, I still don't have a job. And, and we're, uh, you know, we, we had decided, we knew it was time to leave Qatar. It was a tough decision. You have to kind of leave in the summer. So it's like once a year, you get a crack at it. Are you going to commit for another year or not? And so we kind of decided last minute and we just, we didn't know where to move. We had the whole U.S. There wasn't time for me to get a job. So we just said, where do we want to live? And, uh, you know, we have a house in Utah. We could have moved there um in Provo we we had come from California we're both from California so we looked at that and then we kind of just looked at other good places to live you know kind of Nashville and Atlanta and Denver and all the cities that you know have decent housing and jobs but we just felt drawn to Texas and kind of looked at Austin which we knew well when we lived in San Antonio and just didn't feel right Austin's kind of a little overgrown right now and and I've always loved Dallas, and we, you know, we thought, well, what about Dallas? And every time we looked at it, I just got a great feeling going, ah, it makes tons of sense. Everything's there. It's a huge city. There's lots of jobs. The jobs are diverse enough that you can find something. The housing's not too bad. The schools are awesome. Church is strong, you know. And so came down to Dallas, and um, we just, yeah, we looked at the map and chose Dallas. And, you know, our, our goal is to be here a long time. You know, we don't want to leave, so... Uh, we don't know, but um, that's a, that's kind of our goal. So that's why we're thinking long term. And um, yeah, and then you know we we had a two day trip here to find a house, and it was all over the place. We looked from Allen over to Flower Mound and up, and we really felt like we were guided to this this house and this ward. Um, and you know we didn't think we'd get this house with the offer. It was a really hot market last summer, and but we did. And then we've been here, and it's all we just like a, almost daily affirmations for us that you know this is. One of those times hasn't always happened in our lives. There's been places where we've just gone with it and fine, but one of those times in our lives where we really feel like we were, you know, brought brought somewhere to bless our family. So yeah. we're pretty happy about that. I don't think you're alone in that sentiment. I think uh, it's talking to a theme. lot of people here. This, that this ward, yeah. I hear it all the time. And yeah. It's it's no doubt when you get to know the people in the ward, the great people. So. Agreed. Yeah, we feel like it's been a huge blessing for us and our family and all the different opportunities that we get from the interactions with people yeah, for sure it's been it's been amazing so there's i mean we could probably go on forever because i got a lot of follow-up questions i want to know about elon musk if yeah. did you interact with him or had he already sold it by then yeah he was gone but uh, i'm a big fan of elon yeah um, i think he's misunderstood by some folks but uh, he's just a guy who wants to make the world better you know yeah. He's pretty eccentric but okay yeah. fine <laughs> yeah i was listening to a thing on his Neuralink deal that yeah it's it's scary but exciting. Well, I mean, you can't get crazy. you can't get these transformational ideas without the person being a little out there. Yeah, not for gonna, sure. You know. So yeah, but it was it was cool to be in a company that had that legacy because at the time it was totally changing everything with digital payments. Now digital payments we take them for granted, but right. 
back then it was like a payment was cash or a card you right know? and there's no way to do it on this thing called the internet so now think of all the stuff we buy online so right nobody even thinks yeah, about it nobody you know? has cash anymore yeah so pretty cool well we probably should come to an end because i think we're pushing pushing the limit but yeah um you know, it's been awesome getting to know you a little bit more and chatting with you. Appreciate you doing it. Sure. So the the final question that is going to be the final question that we try to ask everybody, if uh, if it feels right, but um, that is, you know, you you've lived a full life. <clears throat> we never know when we're going to go. Yeah. But it, having a little bit of foreknowledge that maybe your time was coming to an end, what what message? Um, would you leave for your family having yeah. that be your your greatest value what would you what would you leave for them yeah you know for me um it really uh so so my testimony has a few really strong anchors and they're anchors that i'm very thankful that that just can't ever be shaken and one of those anchors is the book of mormon and i know that it's true um i i love that book and so I love especially the stories of these these prophets, usually men, uh, in in that book that that have messages to leave when they're leaving. And when you read those as a father, especially a father who's lived a little bit and raised some kids, I just identify with it so much. And so whenever anyone asks me that question, what's your one bit of advice, or if you could tell anybody one thing or whatever, it always is the same. And and you know I have kids like you do that are. You know, leaving the nest, moving on, going to college, getting married, all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a crossroads for them right now. And so I feel this, especially lately, you know, what am I leaving my kids as they leave my, you know, home? And it's really all the same. You know, it's, it's stay close to the Lord and, and be obedient. And when you think about all the bad things that can happen in your life, and who knows what that is. Some of them are going to be self-inflicted, things we do ourselves that, you know, we have to suffer consequences some things are out of our control and they're terrible and hard and we don't we can't predict regardless of all of that if you stay close to the lord and you remain true and faithful you can have joy no matter how difficult your life is you can have joy and i i know people from the african brothers in qatar to people on my mission who have had what we would consider to be terrible lives horrible lives and they're some of the happiest people i know and, you know, that's that joy that comes from the gospel. And so, you know, my, anytime anyone asks me what my parting advice would be, it would be remain faithful, remain close to the Spirit. You will be blessed, even if it's not in this life, you know. And, and if you look at Job and the story of Job and all these things happened to him, and it, at the end, you know, he still bore testimony. And he still said in his testimony, you know, I know that in my flesh I'll see God. It was a testimony of the resurrection, and, you know, he was even resigned to know that even if things never got better for him in his life, it didn't matter. You know, he bore that powerful testimony. And, and so I would, I would leave that same testimony. You know, I, I know that, that the church is true and that God is our Father and Jesus is our Savior. We will be resurrected one day and it will be made perfect through his atonement. And, and it's, it's my hope that my kids or whoever wants to listen to me, you know, give some final advice would be remain true and faithful, repent and stay close to the Lord because that's where you'll get the greatest joy, which is eternal life. And, and that's, uh, that's what I would leave. Awesome. Well, thank you. And it sounds like you're doing a good job of leaving that with your kids already. So hopefully keep it up. Keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, brethren, coming to an end. Thanks for listening. And uh, just know you're next. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>
la 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 la